Acts chapters 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every language under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mock, mocking said, They are filled with new wine. So I'm 31 years old, so not terribly old. But over the course of my life, I've seen some incredible changes in how we live our life and how we interact with one another. For example, when I was a kid, I remember going to Disney World, and my dad brought this huge, ginormous video camera that looked like he was ready to make a Hollywood movie that was so big you had to put it on top of your shoulder and carry it in a big case. And I think we have a picture of what I'm talking about there. And then, I, you know, it makes sense why my dad has back problems today. And I was always interested in technology as a kid, and when I was maybe 12 or 13, I got a PDA. I'm not talking about public display of affection. I'm talking about personal data assistant or pocket PC. And uh, these things were pretty cool, but they were basically useless. Um, you could kind of use the calendar function if it didn't malfunction, but there was no internet, no phone, nothing like that. And I thought it would be the coolest thing if I could take and put some music on that pocket PC that I had. So I remember spending like hours trying to figure out how I could get music onto my computer and then get it from the computer onto this device. And after spending like two hours working on this, I think I might have gotten one song onto the device that played. And basically, that was all of its memory. It could fit like one or two or maybe a few songs. And uh, like I said, I was interested in technology, and I also got one of these, the first GPS that they had. And uh, with the way that it worked was you could kind of set a point for it and set like a, a point that you wanted to go back to. Um, like, so I set my home as like a, a hotspot point. And then when we're driving around, it would take you back to that point, but it didn't have the maps in it. So I remember telling my mom one day when we were lost, I was trying to tell her the direction and telling her when she should be looking for a place to turn. And so we zigzagged our way back to our house. When I was a kid, when you wanted to rent a movie, you had to go to Blockbuster and rent a VHS. If you had a question about something, you had to go to the library and to the reference section and look it up in the encyclopedia. If you 
were out and you needed to talk to someone, you had to find a payphone. If you were looking for something uh, to buy something, you might have to go to a dozen different stores to find what you were looking for. And all those things, you know, you think about all those images. My dad with this giant brick on his shoulder taking video, uh, video camera of us. You think about going to the library to find a question, an answer to a question. You think about me trying to get one or two songs on this little device. You know, and you think about all those things, and all those things are made obsolete by this device right here, the smartphone. And if, you've, if you have a smartphone, or even if you don't, if you just have a flip phone, most of us probably have a cell phone. Have you ever been somewhere and you forgot your cell phone? Forgot your smartphone? Maybe left in the car, left it at home? And, and then you almost feel powerless, right? I remember just a week or two ago, I was with someone and left my phone in the car. And then we were having this conversation, and all these questions came up. And I went to my phone to look up the answer to those questions on Google, but I didn't have my phone. It's amazing how technology has changed and how technology has shaped how we live our lives. No longer have to go rent videos. With a smartphone, you can watch videos, you can take pictures, you can take videos, you can read books, you can play games, you can talk to people, you can text people. It completely changed how we live our lives, for good or for bad. And it changes how we interact with one another. And just like the smartphone changed how we live and how we interact, the Holy Spirit came and He changed how we live, how we interact. The Holy Spirit initiated a revolution. He was a game changer in how we would live our lives, how we would interact with one another, and how we would interact with God. The coming of the Holy Spirit is described with extraordinary imagery. There's a mighty rushing wind that comes upon the disciples. Tongues of fire, individual flames come and rest on the disciples. And we see in this passage a number of things about the Holy Spirit. And some of them are different than the way that the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament. The first thing we see about the coming of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is available to all different types of people. In the Old Testament, the people who were filled with the Spirit of God were special people for, who were called for special purposes. For example, look at Exodus chapter 31. It says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by, my, by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. So he's a special person with special skills, called by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit for a special purpose. Numbers 27 likewise says, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Joshua being the leader of God's people, or who has become the leader of God's people, someone who is filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit didn't just come on anyone. It was for prophets, leaders, special people for special purposes. 
But we see in this passage at Pentecost and throughout the book of Acts that that all changes. Now the Holy Spirit is available to all different types of people. And the Holy Spirit is going to be someone who unifies people together. Remember the story of the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 11. All the people come together and it says in Genesis chapter 11 verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And so they all have one language, the same words. They come together and they try to build a tower to reach the heavens. And the reason that they do that is they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to exist apart from God, to declare their sufficiency uh, apart from God. And so remember what God does. He judges them and he confuses their language. And then they can't understand one another and they go they're spread out throughout the whole earth. We see in Pentecost the opposite is happening. The Holy Spirit is going to bring back those people that sin tore apart. The Holy Spirit is going to enable these disciples to speak different tongues or different languages so that all those people in this region of, in, in Jerusalem would hear the gospel and they'd be able to share that gospel with those in their homeland. And through the Holy Spirit... The gospel would unify humanity once again. That they would go out and then they would come back and be unified by that one message of the gospel. We see later in the book of Acts that the gospel is not just for Jews, it's also for Gentiles, people from the nations. And there was an idea in the ancient world that, that um, Rome ruled the entire world. And so sometimes they would have these lists of different countries that Rome ruled, and they would talk about the universal rule of Rome. And Luke here lists all these different types of people that are in Jerusalem. And the reason he may have listed them is to declare that Jesus' kingdom goes beyond the kingdom of Rome. That Jesus' kingdom is greater than Rome's kingdom, and Jesus' kingdom is a universal kingdom and this kingdom is going to come, out, come about by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here and you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what you look like, what country of origin you're from. The Holy Spirit is available to all different types of people. We also see in this passage, though, that the Holy Spirit is available to all different types of people, but at all times. Before the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the work of the Holy Spirit was often time-sensitive and li limited. For example, Luke chapter 1, 41-42 says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with loud, a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So the Holy Spirit came upon her. She spoke these uh, prophetic words. But that doesn't necessarily mean the Holy Spirit was upon her at all times throughout her life. Remember the story of Samson and, and his whole life. He was a Nazarite, made this Nazarite vow to the Lord. God gave him this incredible strength. And if you look throughout the book of Judges, you'll see uh, different times in his life where it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. For example, the one time the Holy Spirit came upon him and he killed a thousand Philistines with the, the jaw of an ox. But we see through, towards the end of his life as he 
sins and tells uh, Delilah, um, a Philistine, the secret to his strength, and his hair is cut, we see that the Holy Spirit leaves him. We see that after Delilah cuts his hair, he gets up and he doesn't realize that this has happened. Judges 16, verse 20 says this, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, Delilah said. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Remember Saul, the first king of Israel, a man who had God's Spirit upon him, who led him in battle and empowered him. And yet he sinned against God, and then God removed his spirit from him. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14 says this, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Yet the way that the Holy Spirit works after Pentecost is very different. First, if we're believers in Jesus, it means that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's here to stay. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the seal and the guarantee of our salvation. His presence in our life communicates the fact that we're children of God and it communicates the fact that we will, in fact, be saved. That He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's come to stay. And what also that means is the fact that He's inside of us and always inside of us means that we always have access to Him. We always have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, He might choose to work in our lives in greater or lesser ways in in accordance with His plan, but we can always cry out to Him. We can always call out to Him and we can always hear from Him. He's always there for us. So the Holy Spirit, He's available to all different types of people. He's available at all times. We see finally the Holy Spirit enables His disciples to do powerful things. First of all, when we think about these ancient disciples, there was no Rosetta Stone. There was no easy way to learn a language. And yet these disciples, these Galileans, are speaking all different types of languages. Now Galileans in the ancient world were often looked down upon. They were kind of thought of as backwater, uneducated hicks. It was also a place where there were many revolutionaries that had come from Galilee. And so when people thought about Galileans, they didn't think about educated people who would know multiple languages. And yet God does this miracle and allows them to speak the languages of the people of the region so that those people could go back to their homelands and share the gospel. But I think there's much more to this than the miracles, the outward miracles that we see that the disciples perform. Now, the word Pentecost comes from the Greek word from the Septuagint, which is the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it means 50. And it commemorates 50 days after Passover, which was the time of the Feast of Weeks. And there's some evidence to suggest that the people in Jesus' time, the Jews, believed 
that the giving of the law, when Moses gave the law to Israel, that it happened on Pentecost. Now, we don't know that for sure. We don't know if that was the date or for sure if they believed that. But even if, if they didn't, there are some amazing parallels between the old covenant that was given by uh, Moses and the new covenant that's given by Christ. Look, for example, at uh, Exodus chapter 19. It says, Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like a smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So Moses goes up to the mountain, experiences the presence of God, receives the law, and comes down and gives that to Israel as a possession. The problem was Israel had a lot of trouble keeping that law. They often experienced the curses of the law more often than the blessings of the law. But we see something different with Jesus. We see a new covenant. We see that just like Moses ascended the mountain, Jesus ascended to heaven. And just like Moses sent down the law to the people, Jesus sent down the Holy Spirit to the people. But there's a difference. With the mountain, with Moses, he went up to the presence of God. The fire was on the mountain. But here with the disciples, the fire descends on individual believers. Which means that the presence of God moved from the mountain to individual believers. And so Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into our lives who changes us and transforms us. He allows us to do things that the law could never do. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled by us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The law was given outside of it. It says, do this and you will live. Keep the law and you will live. But the ancient Israelites couldn't keep it. We can't keep it. But the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and writes a law on our hearts. It allows us to love God from a pure heart. Allows us to keep the intent of the law to love God and to love people. Titus 3, 4-6 says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. When the Holy Spirit is in our lives, the book of Galatians says the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, and we think about those things, and those things are really supernatural things. They are powerful things. I mean, think about it this way. You lose your job. You experience a debilitating disease or cancer. You would lose someone who's important to you. And everything in your being, would you'd have this tendency to complain and become bitter. And yet God 
somehow allows you to have joy in the midst of that. God's Spirit changes us. When the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray for and He intercedes with groans that are too deep for words, that's a supernatural thing. When the Spirit changes someone who has no interest in Jesus and allows them to become a fully devoted follower of Him, that's a supernatural thing. And we think about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can do powerful things. But we need not... We need, we need to be careful we don't forget that the Holy Spirit is not just a simple life force. He's not just a power source. He's a person. You know, and I, sometimes I think we get that a little bit confused. We think about Jesus and we look at all the things that he did throughout the Gospels and we think of him as a person. But we think about the Holy Spirit only by what he does. The Holy Spirit is a person just like Jesus is a person, just like the Father is a person. One God, three persons. And the Holy Spirit does a number of things, but He's a person that we can call out to. A person we can talk to. A person who can intervene powerfully in our lives. You may have never heard of a man named Angelo Dundee, uh, but you probably heard of Muhammad Ali, one of the greatest boxers, if not the greatest of all time. And Angelo Dundee happened to be the corner man for Muhammad Ali. And as the corner man, what he did was he taught Muhammad Ali how to box or how to become a better boxer. He describes his work this way. He says, when you're working with a fighter, you're a surgeon, an engineer, and a psychologist. Dundee also trained 15 other world boxing champions. And he allowed Muhammad Ali to do things that he probably never could have done by himself. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He's a person that's in our corner. And he allows us to do things we could never do on our own. See, the Holy Spirit enables powerless people to do powerful things. The Holy Spirit enables powerless people to do powerful things. So in closing, just a couple things to think about. First, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing His power to flow through us? Because in the book of Romans, chapter 7 and chapter 8, Paul tells us that just because the Holy Spirit is inside of us doesn't mean we're listening to Him. We can choose whether we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit or whether we're going to listen to the flesh. And so the question I have for us to consider is, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we trusting in Him? Are we allowing Him to direct us, to empower us? Secondly, we see in this passage that most of the people who are here and experience this miracle are amazed at what's happening. But there are some, it says in the text, who are mocking. And they said, these people are drunk. Do you realize what they are doing when they say that? When they say that these people are drunk? They're giving a human explanation for a supernatural event. They're thinking in their minds, well, they're speaking different languages or they're speaking all this gibberish that I can't understand. They must just be drunk. They couldn't know all these different languages. It's impossible for that to happen, so they must be drunk. And so they think of things in only human terms rather than supernatural terms. 
And I think maybe we sometimes do that as believers in Jesus as well. We think only in human terms. We think of only human explanations, and sometimes we try to do things by ourselves rather than trusting in God. Let me give you an example. Let's say you get a promotion at your job. From a human perspective, you might think to yourself, well, I'm a very good worker. I'm a great person. I deserve this promotion. You know, and maybe that's the case. But from a supernatural perspective, we can also look at it and say, wow, the Holy Spirit has really worked in my life. The Holy Spirit has changed me to make me this good worker. The Holy Spirit has given me this opportunity to advance and to make more money to use to further the kingdom of God. And so it's a matter of perspective of how we look at things. You know, and then sometimes things happen in our life and we think to ourselves, well, that's a remarkable coincidence. You know, we think about it as a coincidence rather than something that God orchestrated. And I'll admit I did this uh, this past week. Uh, Each year I plan out the messages that I'm going to preach for uh, the, the whole year. And uh, sometimes that schedule changes a little bit based on how fast we move through with passage and, and different things. And it turned out that this year I'm two weeks ahead of where I was supposed to be. And, uh, you know, I didn't plan it this way, but then I was looking on Friday as I was, you know, most of the way through my message, and I realized it was Pentecost Sunday today the day that I was going to preach on Pentecost. Out of all the different passages in the Bible, today is Pentecost Sunday. And there's no way I could have planned that out. And I thought to myself, well, that's an interesting coincidence. You know, and thought of it as a coincidence rather than something that God had orchestrated. And I think we do that sometimes in our life. We don't recognize, we don't look for the work of God, the work of God's Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer put it really insightfully and incisively this way. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we, would, what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. He said, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. The Holy Spirit left our church. Would there be a difference? Or are we trying to do everything in our own strength, in our own power? This passage shows us we need to rely on God's Spirit to obey Him, invite Him into our life, and acknowledge that He's the one who does the work. And we just need to be obedient. The Holy Spirit enables powerless people to do powerful things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to us to come into our lives, to indwell us, to transform us, to allow us to do what we could never do on our own. Lord, I pray that we would be people who listen to your Spirit, who obey your Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would trust you, that we would rely on you as the early church relied on you. And Lord, we just look forward to the wonderful things that you're going to do. We look forward to the powerful things that you can do through us.
We know that we can't do anything of ourselves, but that through you that nothing is impossible. So we look forward to what you're going to do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.